Praise the Lord. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord. We're going to jump right in. We got a lot to cover, and uh, I want to start by saying thank you to Pastor Don for allowing me to address the people and share what God has burdened my heart to share with you today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if you'll go ahead and turn to James 4. I want to give you a short introduction before we start talking about this heavy subject of eternity. We're going to be talking about heaven and hell. Uh, mainly what we're going to be talking about this morning is that we have a choice. Everybody's going to have a choice and has a choice that they're going to make. If we're lucky, and I say lucky, if we're fortunate enough to live the longest we can live, it'll be 120 years old is what I come to, to see. There's a person now in China, I think is 117 years old. That's a long life. Would you agree? That's a long life. Can I tell you, not everybody gets 117 years on this earth. My brother had 23 years. My father had 47 years. There's children who die every day before they reach 12, 13 years old. One preacher said there's all sizes of caskets, small and large and Long, I guess mine would be long and large because I'm a big guy and I'm tall, I'm six feet tall. But can I tell you that it doesn't matter what age you are. Your time could come now. You could live to 117 to 120. But if we look at eternity and, and have a measurable way of seeing eternity, 120 years wouldn't be a blimp on that line. 120 years, is, this is how James put it, 4 and 14. Whereas you know not... What shall be on the tomorrow? For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Isaiah 40 and 8 says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. Can you say amen? amen. It'll be okay if you say amen. I may need your help. If you say amen, it's not going to hurt my feelings. Can say amen. amen. All right. Let's say amen again. Praise the Lord. We seem to focus more on what happens in these years, whether it be 15 years or 120 years. More focus is given on life here on earth, and rightfully so. We have to live day in and day out. We have struggles. We have challenges. But can I tell you, this time will, will fly by, and it will be gone, and what we'll be left with is, is eternity. I think about my, my children, and, and if you have a child, you know what I mean. When they, when they were first born, I felt like it was going to be forever before I would get sleep again. They would stay up and they didn't know their day from their nights and they would cry and cry and then when they finished crying, they'd cry some more. They tell you, the way they communicated with you was by crying. I said, is this ever going to end? And then I turned around and all my kids are adults now. Time seems to just drift by and fly by. And before you know it, your life is over. And I'm not trying to be grim or gruesome here. I want to be tasteful in this message. God didn't give it to me in a distasteful way. But I believe if we miss eternity, and the fact that we're going to face eternity one day, we've missed everything. Because I can tell you we're going to be more focused on eternity, and you'll see what I mean when I get in this message, than we are this life. Eternity is going to have a bigger impact on us than this life. Second Peter 5 and 8 says, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So when we look at 120 years at best that we'll live, 
is not even a blimp, again, on, on the radar of eternity. I liken this to the time I've had a toothache. If you've had a toothache, just raise your hand. And when I say that, it'll bring back a memory. I guarantee you, you'll remember the day you had it. And I, I can remember having a toothache, and I've had a couple in my life. And time seemed to just stand still. One second was like an eternity. That pain was so gruesome, I, I, w I was running around telling Jamie, and she, she says, I'm just a big kid, because when I start hurting, I have, I have to ask for help. And I said, find the or jail, call the doctor, do something. That hurt. The pain was there. And it seemed just to slow down time. And then you take that in, in contrast to a friend, spending some time with a friend. Think about that time you spent with your friend, and it seemed like two hours was just a few minutes. And then time just slips by. Or as me as a father and a grandfather, my uh, oldest grand, granddaughter will be three this month. Seems like she was just born, and she's already three. She's already telling me what she wants, how she wants it, when she wants it. And I, I, I thankfully can do most everything she asks and do it when she asks. Can I tell you, this time is sliding by, slipping by. This life is slipping by. What we're going to do for the Lord cannot wait. We cannot put it on the back burner, so to speak. A lot of times in my life as an example, I'll use my life as an example. I, I, I went to work at UNC and I started climbing the ladder and I was always trying to advance the career and that was an important part of my life. Then it was to go to school and trying to get the degree and making it to the next point in that degree. And things start to slip by as far as eternal things. You don't have a whole lot of time to do the things of the Lord. It's a lot of the things taking up your time. Can I tell you, Ecclesiastes 3 and 2 says, there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. Consider this one thing. In 1903, there was nobody that was born in 1903 that's alive today. I'm putting this into the perspective. Put it into perspective. Time goes by and we're born and then we die. That's a reality we all have to come, come to terms with. So this morning I would ask you, when you're considering these things, consider what's important in your life right now. As we get into this message, and this is part of the introduction. Is your money important? Are your possessions important? Are your addictions important? Is your family important? And rightfully so, some of these things we put in context, but I want you just to start framing this. Are your lust important? The things that you lust after, is that important in your life? Your selfish desires, are those things important? How about your education or your career? Are those things important? Any other thing you want to put in there that you have in your life right now that's important, I would that you would weigh it on this message. Weigh it to see if that importance is right in the right place. And then we'll get into the scripture. So we find in Mark 8, 36, For what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? What will it mean for you to lose your soul? Consider this. John 14 and 6, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's a lot of people trying other ways. There's people trying other gods. But I can tell you it'll be in vain. There's not but one way to get to heaven. There's only one way to inherit 
eternal life, and that's through Jesus. In the 10th chapter of John, Jesus said he was the door. He's the door. Consider we have multiple ways into this sanctuary. And that's the way people see heaven. But I can tell you there's only one way into heaven. And his name is Jesus. There's not going to be multiple ways, multiple streams, multiple anything. It's one way. His name is Jesus. He actually called people who tries to climb the wall a thief and a robber. There's only one way you must come by the door, and that door is Jesus. Those that reject Jesus, and this is a hard truth, will go to hell. Hell is a real place. There's things we know about hell. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 said, Enter ye in the straight gate. Consider this. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there will be that go thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth in the life. And few be that find it. He gave a very... Uh, a clear contrast of saved and lost that he said there were going to be few that went by the way of the door Jesus and there was going to be many who followed their own desire and they would die and go to hell my heart is burdened at that truth but it still doesn't change the fact that it's true and you have a choice to make tonight I believe and we'll get into it but I believe there's people in hell right now calling out for help and no one is answering this is a truth. Matthew 7, and 23 says, Many will say to me at that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have, not, have we not cast, cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? These are the things that churchgoers would say. Or, or, did I not do all these things? Did I not have perfect attendance? Did I not do this and that? And he says, in that day, he said, and I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I know it's heavy this morning. I want you to stay with me. Don't, don't lose this. This is important. Because you may say, Todd, I'm saved. I'm no, I know I'm going to heaven. This message is for all of us. This message is for all of us. We need to know the gravity of what this place is called, this called hell is and what it means for us, whether you're lost or whether you're saved. It means something to us today. Either a burden for the lost or run to this altar and get saved. That's the two things I would, I would uh, give to you today. Revelations 21 and 8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all, and all liars shall have their place in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So what do we know about this place called hell? And again, it's important to know that this is a real place. This is not a figurative place. He didn't try to give an example or a parative of hell. Hell is a real place. On God's map, there is a point, pinpoint hell. Hell is a place. Luke 16, uh, chapter 16, if you'll turn there with me. And this is going to be the account of the rich man and the beggar. And this scripture this morning will be the basis of what I think God has laid on our heart for us to, to look at today. Give you just a second to turn there. Luke 16, starting in verse 19. If you say it, uh, say amen. It was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, fared sumptuous every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus 
which was laid at the gate full of sores. And I want to just stop here for a second. There was a certain rich man. It wasn't a figurative uh, person. There was a man that was rich that he's referring to, that Jesus is referring to. There was a man named Lazarus, not the one that was raised from the dead by Jesus after four days. Lazarus, this is a, a, a real person that was a beggar that died. The Bible says before he died, he said he desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died. How many of you know we're all going to die? Every one of us are going to die. None of us are going to leave this world without transitioning from this earth to heaven through death. The only time I can see in Scripture that we see that happening is the rapture. When, when Jesus comes back and catches away, but death is certain to all of us. And he, he, the Bible says that Lazarus, the beggar named Lazarus was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, which we know represents heaven. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off in, uh, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he might dip his finger in water. Listen at this torment. That he might cool my tongue, for I am in torment in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and now are in tor they are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that which would pass, so that they which will pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to, to us that would come from thence. Pay special attention to what this man said in hell. I think it's so important. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send to my father's house. Listen what, he, what his prayer was. For I have five brothers that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. The people in hell right now are saying, send somebody to tell them about this place that they wouldn't come. And I believe God's sending me for that very reason, to say, you don't want to go there. And you don't want anybody that you know to go there. So how do you uh, resist that? How do you stop that? How do you uh, become the stumbling block for the person who's headed for hell? One thing you can't do is watch them heading that way and not say anything. And when I say that, I don't mean get in their face and yell because hatred is not going to draw somebody. Love is going to draw somebody. To see the love of God is going to draw somebody. The Bible says we love him because he first what? Loved us. It's not hatred that's going to win somebody. It's love that's going to win somebody. But we have to do something. We have to say something. I can tell you I have family members that I know that are lost, and they've actually told me. I, I told my cousin one time when I was younger and a lot more had, had a lot more zeal as far as boldness, and I told him, I said, called his name, and I said, do you know if you die without Christ, you're going to die and go to hell? And he said, that's all right. I said, no, let me tell you about hell. And I started telling him about the things of hell. And I told him about, told him about the fire that's in hell. You know what he told me? He said, I'll get used to that. How many of you know you won't get used to that? Have you ever been burnt in your life? And this is, this is so small compared to the, the contrast of, of hell. Uh, as a kid, I was disobedient. I know that's hard to believe. But I was disobedient, mischievous. 
If you told me not to do something, you, be, you better believe I was going to do it. If, if my parents would have figured that out, they could have told me, Todd, don't stay in school, don't read your books, and I probably would have been a scholar. They told me, said, don't play in that fire, Todd. Now, you go burn the trash, we had a burn pile, a burn uh, barrel. Now, don't you, don't you play in that fire. You just go light it on fire, make sure it gets lit, and you leave. How many of you know if you put plastic on a stick, it makes a cool noise? Shoo, shoo, shoo. And if you wave it around, that plastic will just go everywhere and stick. And when it dries, it makes cool little designs. Well, if you're interested, I'll show you a scar, what happens when it hits your finger. That thing says, shoo, hit my finger. I dropped that stick and started screaming. That thing's not big as nothing. I, I, it's, it's about the size of a, a, a piece of rice. But that thing hurt. And that plastic got on there and it dried. And when I pulled it off, skin came off. Can I tell you, it blistered up. And, and that was when I was, I think, 12 years old. I'm 41 years old today. And uh, not today's not my birthday, but I'm 41 years old. And this scar is still there. Can I tell you, that hurt. Can I tell you, in comparison to hell, that's nothing. That's nothing. We have to get a, a picture of what this place called hell is. We've heard it so many times. The world has, has desensitized us to this, world, this uh, uh, word called hell as, as far as just a, a way to describe something, as, as an adjective. Can I tell you, hell is a place and should not be taken for granted as far as we need to know what's going to happen to the people who are going to hell. If we know that our loved ones that are going to hell, what's going to happen to them, I believe it's going to give us a, 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 a righteous burden for the, those lives. And it's necessary. No, it's not comfortable, but it's necessary. He called out, tell my father's house. Go to tell my brothers. I have brothers. Don't, they, I don't want them coming here. And can I tell you, if, if anybody here is unsaved and you die and go to hell, that will be your cry. You'll say, tell my family, don't come here. Tell my family, don't come here. And I can tell you today, I stand and honestly, fully assured that people in hell right now don't want you to be there. They know what hell is. They don't want you to join them in hell. Hell is a place of torment. Abraham said to him, if they won't believe the prophets, because he said, go send somebody back from the dead. That they, they would believe if somebody came back from the dead. He said, if they won't believe the prophets, he said, uh, th they won't believe one that came back from the dead. Can I tell you, we are here today telling you about this place called hell, not because it's fun, not because I'm going to be liked for it, but because God wants us to know what this is about so we can first not go there and second, have a burden for those who are headed there. It's a place of torment. It's a place that the fire never goes out. Hell is a place where you'll have thirst. Hell is a place where you will remember. The rich man remembered his brothers. I couldn't imagine being separated to the point where you couldn't make it right, but that's where hell is. When a person goes to hell, he takes or she takes all the unforgiveness with them for eternity to think on it. Some people say that's the worm that dies not, is the thought. Some say it's a, a, a little worm that never dies, that eats at your flesh, that will never be consumed. Either way, it's a horrible place. And I know people, this is uncomfortable. It, we have to hear it. We must hear it. 
It's a place where we'll be separated from God. The Bible says when we go to heaven, if you're going to heaven, raise your hand. Praise the Lord. Are you happy you're going to heaven now we're hearing about hell? Who I am. Thank the, thank the Lord Jesus that he saved us and we're going to heaven. The Bible says that there will be no night there. There's no need for a sun because the lamb will be the light of that city. Can I tell you the lamb's not going to be in hell. That's where we get that there's going to be darkness, utter darkness. It, it, it's been described, described as a pit. A pit is a, a place of darkness. Somebody says, well, you'll have fire there. Won't that be light? No. There will be no light in hell. Hell will be a dark place. It'll be a place full of regret. It'll be a place you will never leave. There will be no escape. You'll be there for eternity. And my heart hurts. My heart hurts. It gives me no pride to say hell is a place of punishment for eternity. You said, how can a loving God send anybody to hell? God, a loving God sent His Son that nobody would have to go to hell. He said His desire is that none would perish, but all would come to know Him. Our God is a loving God. And He's, doing, he's done everything. There's nothing more that He could do to save you from hell. He sent His Son to die on a cross for our sins. And that blood is enough. It's a place to avoid at all cost. Mark 9, 43-47 said, And if thy hand, and I'm not going to read the whole thing because I need to get to this, this latter part of this scripture. But I'll tell you what it means. Mark 9, 43-47, just to give you a reference. The Bible says if your hand offends you, cut it off. If your hand offends you, cut it off. He's saying if this causes you to go to hell, cut it off. It's not worth you dying and going to hell by having all your members. He said, what would, good, what would it profit you? What would good come out of it if you have all your members and you die and go to hell? He said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. How serious was he about this? He was more serious about this than anything else I could find that Jesus talked about was this place called hell. He talked about uh, uh, you not wanting to go there because if you go with all your members, you will be in hell, and hell is not a place you want to be. The Bible says at all cost, at all cost, we need to avoid hell. We need to understand the burden for the lost for this very reason, that we don't want them dying and going to hell. We don't want them dying and going to hell. That's because not my own desire, because there's times in my life where I would have uh, I wish people there. I would have said that. But can I tell you, because I have a heart that's leaning and bent toward Christ, he did, his desires are my desires. And my desires are his desires. He said he would give me the desires of my heart, and that's exactly what that means. He gives me the desire to love those who are headed to hell. I can tell you right now that heaven is going to be just as sweet. And I don't want to leave you with this. Because some of you say, this is a heavy message. It is. But I can tell you there was a song that said there's a, and I'm going to get this wrong because I always get them mixed up, but there's a, a heaven to gain and a hell to shun and how true that is. Can I tell you, the Bible accounts heaven as a, a wonderful, glorious place. Streets of gold, walls of jasper, pearly gates. We've all heard of, of heaven. We know what we're looking forward to. Can I tell you those are things of descriptive words physically that we can understand the splendor of heaven. But can I tell you when it says Half have not entered into the 
minds what God has prepared for those who love Him. Uh, uh, one writer said that if you take all the Disney's creation and all of the great musicians on the world and ball that up into a, 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 a great ex- explanation, it won't come close to explaining heaven. Heaven is going to be a place where Jesus is. Heaven is going to be a place where your loved ones that have gone on are going to be. Do you want to go to heaven? Come on, somebody. Do you want to go to heaven? I'll tell you what, I want to go to heaven. I have loved ones that are in heaven. But beyond that, I believe heaven is going to be sweet because my Savior is going to be there. How many of you know Jesus is going to be in heaven? And and I believe that Peter is going to be in heaven. I believe Paul is going to be in heaven. I believe all these great men and women of the Bible are going to be in heaven. And there's going to be a time in heaven. So just as bad as hell is, the contrast of hell is heaven. And like I said, he said there will be no night there. That the Lamb will be the light of that city. Can I tell you, I want to go to heaven and you do too. Matthew 13, 44 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to the treasure that was hidden in a field. Listen to this. The which when a man had found it, he hid it. And for joy thereof goeth and sell all that he hath and bought that field. Can I tell you, this is a picture of Christ and the world. The Bible says that Christ came to redeem us from our sins. The value of Him is greater than anything this world can offer. Somebody say amen. Amen. The value of our Savior is more valuable than anything this world has to offer. When He says that He he sold everything to buy this field, what He's saying, He's saying this. He's saying don't let nothing hold you back from a relationship with the Lord. Can I tell you, This life has got a lot of draws, a lot of pulls. But nothing is greater than that love that he's shown to us. We should shun the world and run to him. Matthew 7 and 24 says, Therefore, whosoever hear these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken them to a wise man who built his house upon a rock. I want to read that first one. And then at the the latter part of this, he talked about the man who was a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the storm and the rain came and the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and the fall was great. Can I tell you what he's saying? He's saying he is the rock. He's unmovable, unshakable. How many of you in your life knows that if you trust in him, if you've trusted in him, you know that's true. He doesn't change. He's constant. If he said he'll heal in the word back in the, old, uh, the olden days that we won't hear, he'll, he'll heal today. His healing is the same. His power is the same. Uh, Pastor Don and I was talking about today. What has changed from even the time when he first started preaching and he's seen the healings and it comes down to the people who are dedicated to seeing the God move the way he did and not, not just to seek the gift, uh, the gift giver, but, uh, or the gift, but seek the gift giver. Seek God. Seek him with all we have. And the Bible Tells us that. Second Peter says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, so so as some men count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. Listen to what he's saying. Not willing that any should perish, but that we all should come to repentance. Yeah. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away. With, all, with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth, all sh- 
also, and the work that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought ye to be in all holy conversation and, and uh, godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Let me tell you something. All things are going to pass away. All things are going to become new. All things that you have that we work for, and I'll tell you for myself, every bit that we build, how many of you have ever had a new car in your whole life? Anybody? How many of you know the value of that car right now today, whenever you bought it, it's not the same? I can attest, but I can tell you this. If you have a, a lien against that car, every month you're going to have to make the payment. Even if that car stops being valuable to you, it's still going to have to be paid. Come on, somebody. Can I tell you, when we talk about this thing, about things that are going to pass away, a lot of times we think about possessions. Some people are proud of their homes. Some people are proud of their cars. Some people are proud of their health. Some people are proud of their knowledge. All that will pass away. But the Word of God won't pass away. Eternity won't pass away. We're all going to spend our time in eternity. I thought about this thing as we get close to closing, is that I thought about this thing called eternity and time. How time clicks by. Have you ever seen the old photos that are black and white and not color? And in my mind, I thought, man, they, they didn't even have color photos. That must have been horrible for them. For them in that day, that was a great technology, advancing technology. They could see their picture. They were, they were happy with that. And as time fades on and, and keeps clicking by, we see the past is what it was, the present, and then we look forward to the future. Can I tell you there's going to come a time when that clock is going to stop? When it's not going to be about past and present and future, it's going to be about eternity. And where you are then, at that point, is where you're going to be. Your technology is not going to get any better. You're not going to lose any more hair. Come on, somebody. I know we got some people like that. As long as I stay this way, I'm fine. But if I turn this way, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Time clicks on by. Jamie won't let me cut my hair. She said, I'm going to have to do the comb over. So we understand that things are going to fade. Beauty is going to fade. But I can tell you this, there's going to come a time in eternity where nothing is going to change. Where it is is where it will be. Understand what I'm saying? If you go to heaven... When you go to heaven, you're there for eternity. Nothing's going to change it. But if you go to hell, you'll be there for eternity. Nothing will change it. At all costs, you don't, you, you don't want to go to he uh, hell, and you do want to go to heaven. As the praise team comes, we're getting close to closing. Again, I said it before, I'll say it again. I can hear the screams from hell. My hope is that none of you are headed there. Whether it be 10, 50, 100 years from now, those screams shouldn't come from you. God has sent me to this church at this time to warn you about this place called hell. That whatever it takes for you not to go there, you need to ensure you don't go there. I believe that. So what will you do with the information that God has shared through His Word this morning. Some of you say, I've been saved for 60 years or more. That's great. But you still have something to do with this message.
God has sent it to every one of us. Saved and lost alike. To the lost, it should be a message to remind us that there is a place called hell. Or, or tell us there's a place called hell that we don't want to go. But for the saved, it should be a place that, uh, uh, of remembrance where we say, there are people dying and going to hell every day. And God help me to find a burden for the lost. That I would share the love of God with these that they wouldn't go to this place called hell. Matthew 10 and 28 says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are able not, are not able to kill the soul, but rather feel, fear him which is able to destroy your body, soul, and cast your body into hell, or soul and body into hell. John 10 and 10 said, The thief cometh not but to steal and kill and destroy. Listen to the latter part. I am come that they might have life, my Lord. And what? Have life more abundantly, my Lord. That's what he come to do. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30 says, Come unto me, all ye that are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many of you this morning, I can raise my hand to this, say, I need rest. Praise the Lord, I need rest. I need rest. And he goes on to say, Take my yoke upon you, and lean on me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your soul, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And we say, well, Todd, that's easy to say. On a Sunday morning, we're in a, a conditioned space, and we're around people that love us. But what about when I get out in the world, and it's tough? He has a scripture for that. Romans 8 and 18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 1 John 5 and 12 says, He is uh, he that hath the Son hath life. Listen, hear church. Hear it. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life. Can I tell you the offering today is Jesus loves you. That Jesus would ask you to come. That Jesus is saying, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter what has gone on in the past, should affect your present and hinder your future. And I'm telling you right now, this is what he would say. He's called you for this moment in time right now. If you don't know him as your personal Savior, I would ask all of us to stand to our feet. And I believe this is a there's different times and, and, and tactics that someone uses, or, or, or not tactics, but uh, 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 ways to, to call people to the altar. I would say this. Hell is a real place. And one or two things have happened here today. You've heard of hell and you don't want to go there. Or you've been reminded of hell and you want to make sure that you're doing all you can do as a Christian to encourage people not to go there. Can I tell you, that's not the main focus, even though hell is so gruesome. That's not the main focus. The main focus is this. God loved us with a love that blows all of our minds if you think about it. He loved his son. God loved his son, but he sent Jesus to die. He took our place on that cross. It was our place. That was our place. He took our place on that cross that we wouldn't have to go there. He shed his blood that we wouldn't have to shed ours. He died and went in the grave so we wouldn't have to die 
for the sin because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Can I tell you, the fruit of the Spirit is everlasting life. If we will come to Him, again, 1 John 5 and 12 said, He that hath the Son hath life. I'd ask you today, do you have life? He that hath not the Son hath not life. I would ask you to come. If you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, and this, this uh, message has moved you to the point where you say, I, I don't want to leave this place without knowing, I would ask you to come. And I'm in no rush. I'm in no rush. I, 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 some people say, I don't want to be called out. I don't, I don't want you to look at me. Can I tell you, that's, that's going to fall by the wayside when it comes to the heaviness of what you're looking forward to if you don't know him. So I'll give you just a minute, if you would. Consider this, as we all bow our heads and we, we pray and ask God to move on, on the ones that are considering this right now. Saints, pray with me. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day you've blessed us with. We thank you, Lord, that you are come, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. We pray, Lord, if there's one here in this place, Lord, that don't know you as a personal Savior, Lord, that you would convict that heart, Lord, that they wouldn't leave here, God, without knowing you. I pray, Lord, knowing that my words can't save anyone, but your word and your spirit are going to lead and guide people and draw people to you. I pray, Lord, right now, Lord, if there be any, Lord, let them step out and take that bold step of faith, saying, I want to know the Lord as my personal Savior. Lord, I pray you move, Lord. Move as our prayer amongst your people. Convict the hearts. Second thing I would ask is, if you are a Christian, you know the Lord is your personal Savior, and you say, Todd, I have a burden for the lost. I would ask you to come. I would ask you to come to the altar with us. If you say, I have a burden for the lost, but I want to pray that God would open up doors. One said, enlarge my coast. If that's you, would you step out now at this time and come to the altar? And God knows and sees every act of movement. Can I tell you, he is going to do just that. He's going to enlarge our coast. And I can tell you, I believe that by stepping out, what you're saying is you already had that in your heart. But what you're saying is, whatever it takes, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus.